Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump, busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I would be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, episode three of the third series already. How did that happen? Thanks to everyone who's been listening, sharing or writing reviews, getting in touch on social. It all really helps to get the podcast out there and it's so cool to know that there are women all over the world listening and feeling all the same feelings. So welcome. I'm very pleased to say that today's episode is sponsored by EVB Sport and Core. They make engineered clothing which supports women with prolapse or incontinence. There's a range of leggings and shorts that act like scaffolding for your pelvic floor muscles and they're clinically proven to help reduce leaks and improve posture. I've heard loads of good things about them in the last few years and EVB very kindly sent me a pair to try, which I ran in the other day and felt very well supported. For me, it's like another layer of protection to prevent things getting worse. So you can find them at evbsport.com. The team there are lovely and can help you find the right size. And if you fancy trying a pair, you can get a 10% discount by using the code WHYMUMSDON'TJUMP. No capitals, including the apostrophe. Thank you to EVB. So I think this is a bit of a special episode. It's with someone who got in touch on Instagram a while back. She's a mum of two who lives in Essex. She's a primary school teacher. She listens to the podcast and she has a really inspiring story to tell. She is Sarah Duckett and her pelvic floor problems started after her eldest son was born in 2016. She was induced. There were complications. She ended up with an episiotomy and forceps. That was the start of it. And uh, the recovery after the birth was uh well I was I was all over the place um I was having a lot of issues with um like leaking urine um not able to control anything at all um not able to exercise walk because I would just basically wet myself um so I was having to wear like the really thick pads um to try and just combat all of that um so I, because I'd had the, um, the forceps delivery and the episiotomy, the hospital had referred me for women's physio, to the mm-hmm. women's physio um, team. So I think after about um, six months, um, I went and had my first appointments and they assessed everything and they said that uh, my pelvic floor strength was really poor and they, they gave me some um, exercises to do and, and all of that. Um, and I went for um, about another three months for appointments every week um, and it just wasn't get, getting any better um, despite doing the um, exercises and uh, we got to the point where the physio I was seeing um, she basically said look there's nothing else that we can do um, apart from if you have uh, an operation to fix everything um and then she said but they don't they won't give you an operation if you want to have more children so I was like oh right okay so at that point I was just left um I was still leaking urine I was still having lots of issues um wasn't able to exercise and it was really starting to affect like my self-esteem and everything like that 
And this um, is like going on, I guess, the whole, what, first year of, of your baby's yeah. life? Yeah, well, constantly. And until I got pregnant with my second child and I saw a different, I, I switched hospitals um, and I saw a different set of midwives and I was speaking to my midwife about some of the issues that I had after my firstborn and it was only after speaking to her that I actually realised, well, she said to me, you shouldn't have been left like that. You know, you've been suffering with a lot of, of things. Um, she said there are lots of things that can be done to help you, Just, you know, forget about the operation. There are lots of things in between that could be done. And I was like, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even know. I, I literally, I just thought that that was my life. I was always going to be leaking urine and that was it. Um, and she was really good. So before I'd even had my second baby, she'd already set me up with um, an appointment with a urogynecologist. And she said, uh, six weeks after you have your baby, you've got this appointment you go she'll assess you and then she'll work out the the route that you need to take and thank god she did that um because after having my second baby i mean completely different birth it it healed a lot of the traumas i think of the, the first birth <laughs> thank god uh, so i had i had a water birth with my second and everything just went absolutely amazingly I'm um, so pleased for you yeah it, I was I was so so pleased to have that experience mm-hmm. and I, I know not everyone does and I I did feel with my first I, I felt very cheated because nothing went right and it was just such an awful traumatic experience and I feel like it just it put me in such a bad bad place um but I feel like my second birth I realized that it it wasn't my body that had failed me it, it was just the circumstance it was just what had happened at the time um you know and it wasn't anything that I'd done and I, I could actually give birth on my own and I did it and I felt so proud of myself and but unfortunately having the uh, the second he sort of compounded a lot of the problems uh that I'd had before um and uh, when I went for my first appointment with the urogynecologist, she referred me to uh, the women's health physio again. And when I had my first assessment, um, I was diagnosed with having a prolapse. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had no idea what that even was. Nope. Um, <laughs> and it was just, you know, I was like, what? And it was really scary and... Mm-hmm. The prolapse she diagnosed me with was a rectocele. Mm-hmm. So the way she explained it was that I had my stress urinary incontinence um, and then the rectocele that I had um, was causing a lot of the problems I was experiencing with my bowel as well. So after my second uh, baby, I was not only not able to hold on to my urine I wasn't able to hold on to a bowel movement either so that was just like (laughs) yeah so it wasn't uh it wasn't a great time to say the least and this went on for years then I mean this is like what four years up to this point yeah so it was yeah over the course of four years so at first when it was just the urine side of things I thought okay well I can I can cope with this um I can use the pads yeah it's not ideal but you know I can I can cope with it but when I started um to leak poo as well it was just uh, yeah it was 
I, I didn't want to leave the house. Um, I was very conscious all the time of, you know, the smell and, and stuff like that. And even though I never had an accident while I was out of the house, if I would walk particularly fast, even I would, I would have like some leakage when I got home and I'd just be so aware, hyper aware of everything. Um, and it just, it, it really took a, a massive toll on my mental health. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a very good time in the first year after um, my second son was born. I just felt like I was in a, just an absolute state. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard. It's just an awful time for it to happen as well. Not that there's ever a good time for it to happen, but when you're looking after a toddler and a newborn and you're trying to navigate that at the same time, I mean, mm. that that impact is huge because if you're saying, you know, you, you were barely leaving the house, then mm. that's the only thing that sort of keeps you sane when you're when you're sleep deprived <clears throat> and looking after yeah. two toddlers. So it sort of it makes it it must make it even harder. Yeah, it was um, the the thing that sticks in my mind was um, sort of six months in when I was uh, weaning um, weaning him, and I'd got all his lunch ready and everything, and he was sat in his high chair in the lounge, um, and we were eating lunch, and I got the the urge that I needed to go to the toilet, and I knew I couldn't leave him in the lounge eating because obviously it wasn't mm-hmm. safe. So I had to drag him in the high chair to the downstairs toilet. Oh, and gosh. he was, bless him, he was still eating his lunch <laughs> while I was there on the toilet. Like, you know, sorry, sorry about this. And, you know, he obviously, you know, they don't care, do they? But I just, I just was thinking, I can't live my life like this. I, you know, I, I can't I can't carry on I'd, I'd got to that point where it was just so hard to do just everyday things walking you know going up and down the stairs um heaven forbid if I got a cough or a, a cold or anything like that um you know it was affecting at work when I went back to work as well um and being a teacher you can't just leave the classroom easily it's um yeah it's it was a lot to take on. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, it's one thing talking about like the physical impact of some of these problems, you know, whether it's discomfort or well, like whatever level you're on, even if it's just a bit of leaking. But um, mm. it's for me, a lot of it has been like the mental impact beyond that. Just, I mean, you know, my problems are, are not that bad, but previously just like thinking about them all the time and just, I felt like they'd kind of, um, I don't know, it sounds a bit like, whatever I, I felt like sometimes like it just taken a bit of color out of my life or something like yeah. I couldn't quite mm. I'd be with my kids and I'd just be thinking about that and then I'd get annoyed with myself for not taking mm. pleasure in these wonderful children who yeah. I was and with everyone sort of says oh you've got such lovely children well at least at least you know you've got the lovely children and you'd feel guilty well I would I would feel guilty for complaining about it I and then I'd, I'd feel like god you know people you know are so desperate to have children some people can't have children and I've got two beautiful children and yet I'm just so unhappy um and I just felt like the odd one out all the time so like my husband um would be able to run about with them and do different things at the park and pick them up and I would just feel so 
on the sidelines um, because I I just couldn't do any of that. And, yeah. you know, that it was it's just really sad, really. And it is that guilt as well, because there is just this like social expectation that as a mother, you would you would give up anything and everything for your kids. Mm. So you are not through choice giving up a level of, of, of living, I suppose, like a level of running out around and a level of happiness and all those kind of things. Uh, and that you should just accept that because that is just what a mother should do, right? You should mm. just, you should suffer anything for your kids. But um, obviously that's not true. Like we, <laughs> you know, we need to be happy to give, to give them a good, a good upbringing and give them yeah. the joy in life. They don't, yeah, they don't want a sad mummy. No, and that's and I I definitely realise that now because uh, you know the more I was dealing with these these issues, the more my mental health was declining, and I I didn't realise it I think until I got to a sort of a, a breaking point, and um, you know you, you try and talk to other people about it, and you know other mum friends that I had, but no one was going through anywhere near what what I was experiencing, and I felt like. I felt weird for, for, and I felt like my body had done something wrong. And, you know, I, I just kept thinking everyone else is, is okay. Everyone else has had, you know, multiple children sometimes and they're fine. You know, why has this happened to me? And I think once you get into that sort of spiral, it's very hard to, to pull yourself out. And, you know, thank, thank goodness really that I had, um, I had very supportive uh, people at South End Hospital where where I was having all my appointments, and they they realised, I think, how hard I was finding things. Um, there was the lady in, in particular that really helped me. It was called Karen Bennett, and she she was a um, a, a nurse practitioner, and she did a, a test. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the test now, but they, she basically had to put a balloon up my bottom <laughs> and uh, work out the, the squeeze pressure that I had. So it was a test that I was having to work out what treatment I needed oh, the going glamour. forwards. Oh, it was lovely. It was on New Year's Eve as well. And I, I remember oh. saying to her at the time, like, this is not how I pictured spending my New Year's Eve. Oh, no. um, so yeah, as she was doing the test, you know, afterwards I got, I got really upset and mm. I was speaking to her about different things and, she spoke to one of the consultants um, and he phoned me um, and uh, he was he was part of the colorectal team at South End and he phoned me and I spoke to him on the phone and um, got upset again and he said look I'm going to refer you to our um, psychiatry department and thank god he did because after having you know obviously the lockdowns happened as well so there's no support there um but I was able to have um support through the psychiatry department I had um uh like online therapy sessions Mm -hmm. every week um for I'd, I'd say about sort of seven to eight months and it was just invaluable it it got me back on my feet again and it 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 helped me to realize that it's a medical condition that I have, but it doesn't define who I am. I can I can still live my life and I can still go and do things, but I just have to make adaptations. And I think now I've accepted what's happened to me, it's helped me to move forwards um, and to seek the right treatment and to not 
settle, you know, for for how things were. Um, mm. I, I realised I didn't have to still live my life like that and there were lots of things out there that I could do and, um, you know, try to to help. Um, and thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness for that, really. <laughs> I'm so pleased you had that kind of care, people reaching out to you and saying, look, we can help you in this way. Yeah. Would you, do you think you'd ever have done it off your own bat? I just didn't even realise what was out there, what yeah. help was out there. And I think that's the that's the saddest thing. Um, and, uh, you know, during the time I was having my therapy as well, um, my counsellor uh, encouraged me to maybe try and find some support groups. And I found a, a really great one on Facebook um, called, uh, it's called Female Pelvic Organ Prolapse Support Group. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's got thousands of members on there, and I I went from feeling like I was the only person suffering from this to then you know finding out about you and your podcast and talking to other women that were going through similar things, and it just helped me feel not as alone, yeah. um, and actually realised that this is something that happens to a hell of a lot of people, and the experiences of people and, and the, the help and the care they receive are just worlds apart depending on who you speak to, where you live, or even on the, the day that you ring up and speak to someone. And it's, yeah. it just, it seems wrong to me that not everyone can have the experience that I've had, um, which is what's made me want, want to talk about it um, and get the, get the word out there, really, I guess, similar to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. to try and make it so that you know not not everyone should feel this way that there are options um you know that's exactly it and it it breaks my heart that it's that it's not just available to everyone and the idea that there will now be women in that position just who you know are barely leaving the house at home with young children and it's really sad and and Mm. It, you know it should it should be and again and again that's partly wrapped up in all the secrecy and taboo around it right because if you're not mm. talking about it you're never going to know what's out there or mm. you know it's just you just you locked in your own head thinking yeah. that you're broken and all the rest of it even even the word prolapse I couldn't say um until I had my my therapy I, I couldn't bring myself to say the word prolapse because of all the negative connotations that it had and you know I'd I just think to myself I always used to say oh god if only like I'd, I'd broken my leg or I'd broken my arm like it's so much easier to talk about yeah. and you know but as soon as you start mentioning you know like urine poo like it's just yeah. oh and you know you can see people's faces like we've, you know we've got to get past it though <laughs> we've got to get yeah. past it it's so yeah. prolific you know, know. like we need to and we are doing we're chipping away yeah. um Tell me a bit about your treatment because you, you, you're in a much better place, aren't you? Tell, what, what's been the process for you? Um, so after I had my second, I um, went to see the women's physio at South End, and she helped me retrain my, my pelvic floor muscles and also the muscles in my bottom as well, which I didn't I didn't even think you know you could you could do. Um, so. So like uh, yeah, a was, sphincter kind of yes. situation, yeah, right. Yeah, so she she gave me um, a device to use. Um, it was a biofeedback yeah, device. Yeah, okay. So um, that tells you if you, 
if you how how hard you're able to squeeze something yes yeah yeah so it's like a a, basically like a probe that you put into your bottom Mm -hmm. um and then you do your pelvic floor exercises or uh, you know and it all draws up and you can see on the monitor whether your squeeze pressure is getting better Mm -hmm. and you can hold it and um, the thing that I had a problem with was the the relaxing as well so everything I could squeeze everything but I couldn't relax it which I think a lot of people don't realize it you know when when they say oh yeah I'm doing my pelvic floors you don't realize there's actually a lot more to it yeah Um, so I would definitely say to anyone if you haven't gone and, and had that part of the treatment definitely to do that because I thought I was doing them perfectly and it was only after seeing her that I realized oh there's actually another side to this um so I saw her I then went and saw Karen Bennett with the colorectal team at South End and she gave me a session well a series of sessions called PTNS which they basically they put a needle it's like an acupuncture needle. They put that in your heel of your foot and then they put a electric current through that needle. So it sounds a lot worse than it is, but it doesn't hurt at all. Um, I mean, it sounds mad. Like this, It does, so yeah. I, um, so I before we spoke, I'd actually seen that you'd posted about this on the Facebook group charting your experience of, of the PTNS thing mm. and uh I mean I'm not gonna lie I, initially I was just like what is this this is very <laughs> this sounds a bit you know because yeah. you know there I, are all sorts of crackers therapies out there I, I, I didn't family. I didn't think it was gonna work no, but but then um but it is but it's it's um so I looked it up and uh, I'm gonna say it wrong but it's percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation something like that and it and uh it, it is as you say available on the NHS at least in some areas, and it like stimulates the nerves that are responsible for your bladder and for and for your pelvic floor. Yes, and 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 yeah. so you and so you went every week and did and they stuck needles yeah. in you. Is that yes? Yeah, basically. So um, I started. Um, it was it's just over a year ago now, and I went for six months every every weekend, every Saturday morning. Um, I went, and that was like during the you know lockdowns and everything it still carried on thankfully oh wow um so I, I did have to wait quite a long time I think I had to wait well really about a year or so for to get my place um but yeah every week I'd go she'd put the needle in my foot start the the machine going and uh you can put the the electric current that goes through um you can control how how strong it is so um at first um, the current I had to have was quite strong before I'd start feeling the tingling in my toes. Um, when you've got it in the right place, it literally makes your toes scrunch up and it's involuntary. So it's like the electric current. No, um, it doesn't hurt, but it can tingle. And after the session, sometimes um, it used to make my leg ache a little bit if I'd go right. walking straight after. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing bad at all. And she used to say to me, it's the nerve waking up it's it's you're you're trying to wake that nerve up again um I didn't really notice any difference at all until about I'd say about week four week five um and after that it just got massively better from there I was leaking 
urine-less. Um, and now I've finished the treatment completely, I don't leak poo at all anymore. And it's just, it's just been completely life-changing. And I found that I was able to, you know, go out a lot more. Now I'd had the, the leaking poo, you know, taken away and worrying about that. I was getting my confidence back. I think it was the a mixture really of the PTNS, the, the counselling that I had. Um, and then also uh, I got fitted with uh, pessary. So the PTNS had helped massively helped the the um bowel movement leakage side of things but I was noticing that I was still when I was exercising and things like that I was still leaking urine so rather than them saying no that's it you're not having anything else they they got me back in again um and I went to see a urogynecologist who said yeah we can we can do something to help with the stress incontinence side of things and she fitted me with a pessary what, um, on, what kind of pessary have you got? I'm, I'm actually going. I'm actually going for a fitting tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yeah, okay. On. Yeah, I've, it always makes me giggle, and I know it's it's silly because I'm. <laughs> but it's called a it's called a ring pessary with knob. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know it's it's so immature, isn't it? But it just it really makes me giggle. Hey, look, so it's wherever you can find your laughs, that's fine. I know, yeah. I know. But she was she was great. So I had it fitted, and at first when I saw it, I was like. God, how is that even going to terrifying work? looking, like, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, so she she fitted it in and she said, Right, okay, stand up. And she said, Right, now cough. Um and I was like, But I'm not I'm not you know, it's obviously it's not the most glamorous thing. You're standing there with no underwear on or whatever, and I'm just thinking, I'm gonna wee all over her floor here. Um so I she was like, It's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. So I coughed, nothing, um, at all. Couldn't even feel it in at all like mm-hmm. can't feel it um and then she said okay try it now for a week and I went home and I did the school run nothing I didn't I didn't wear a normally I wear a, a liner or a, mm-hmm. a pad just to sort of be safe but didn't wear anything I thought right okay I'll test it out and if I wet myself I'm not too far from home so it's not that much of a problem so I did the school run and I, I literally ran, <laughs> came back to check and there was nothing nothing at all and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I rang my mum and um, and then I, I went back again to see the same lady at, at South End, and she taught me how to take it out and put it back in again myself. And that has just given me so much more freedom now and flexibility because I'm finding with the, a combination of everything, with the PTNS side of things as well, I don't need to wear it every day. Um, it's only if I'm doing... Um, more strenuous exercises if I know I'm going to be out walking a lot I'll put it in Um, and it's it just gives me that that freedom back again to to do normal things just to have a a normal life and and do what I want with my children Um, so it's 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 literally like I've done a complete 180 um from how I was to how I am now um I just feel like I've got my life back um so it's yeah I I can't recommend it enough I'm so happy for you and you've done so well like you know like you say there was a point when you were just like right well this is it 
this is this is my life now. Uh, and and look at all these things that you've you know you've grabbed with both hands and you've you've done all that yourself. You've put the work in and you've been prepared to make these adaptations. And yeah, all right, it's not fixed. You're not back to where you were before. But sometimes, well, you just got to take what you can get, haven't you? Well, that and the the um, the urogynecologist I saw actually, she said she feels that it needs to be spoken about on, you know, NCT courses and things like that, that you're basically your, your reproductive system, your, um, down, I can't even say it, but down, downstairs, it's silly, isn't it? But, yeah. you know, your vagina, all of that, it's not going to be the same. And I, I think I said to her, oh, I just feel like everything's such a car crash down there. And she said, it's not, it's, it's just the new well how it is now and you know and that's that's normal after having a baby and I think once I accepted that in in my mind it became a lot easier to deal with and I I stopped looking at it as a a negative thing um and actually I'm able to see it now you know I've I've given birth to two lovely children I've my body has, has been through that I'm proud of my body for for doing that um and yeah it's unlucky that I had all the things afterwards but you know I've I've been able to have these treatments I've been able to get back to the point where I can now live my life um but I just I, I just want more people to know about it really um and to not accept that that's your lot yeah 100% um what would you sort of have said to yourself knowing what you know now when it all first kicked off for you or what advice would you have for for women who are in that position I think my my first thing I'd probably say to myself is actually you're you're doing really well and it's not your fault um I I spent such a long time feeling like I was a failure um that I'd failed giving birth, um, I'd failed breastfeeding, um, and I was just so, so hard on myself, um, I just felt like I wasn't worth anything, um, I just felt broken, completely broken, um, it's hard, sorry, it's hard to talk about that side of things, but, um, my, I think the main takeaway is to to say really that you are worth looking after it is worth going to the doctors and pushing to get the right treatment you are worthwhile um and you you deserve it if if you're not fully fighting fit and you know able to live your life then you know you can't be there for your children, you can't be there for your partner, you can't be there for your friends, you, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to lose yourself to this, um, and, you know, it's just that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but you just have to keep pushing, (laughs) keep pushing for it, and don't give up, um, that's definitely one of the big takeaways, really, there have been a lot of health professionals that I've seen over the, the years that have said, no there's nothing we can do for you now no that won't work um 
that's it basically always keep pushing always say is there someone else I can see is you know anything else that can be done because there is but you just have to be dogged about it Sarah Duckett if you're listening thank you so much I think you're amazing I'll put a bit more information about PTNS in the show notes. We also mentioned biofeedback. So if pelvic floor tech is as confusing to you as it was for me, do listen back to the Vagets episode from last season. As ever, please don't take any of this as medical advice, but do seek out your own professional help. Next week, I'll be speaking to a colorectal surgeon. So come back for that. In the meantime, get involved. Tell me what you think and spread the word. Tell a friend or spam a WhatsApp group. Put an advert on the side of a bus. You can support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com forward slash jump, and it can be completely anonymous if you prefer. Thanks to everyone who's done that. And you can find me on social at jump or online at jump.com. Bye for now. Oh,